Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. With me tonight is my co-host and colleague, as always, Chad Mitz. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the world of genre movie news. It has been a hot minute since Chad and I have been able to talk about movies. Uh, we took a break to talk professional wrestling, and then we uh, took a break to talk about The Way of the Water. And now we're going to talk about the DC Cinematic Universe, which has Mr. James Gunn at its head. And the funny thing about having James Gunn as the head of DC Studios, it means rumors and internet innuendo and speculation get shot down immediately on Twitter. So our thoughts, sir, first of all, on the announcement, because we did not cover the announcement when James Gunn was uh, announced as the new head of DC Studios, um, the announcement that he is going to basically hard reboot everything, what at least from what it looks like, and uh, and then we'll go from there. So um, let's take one at a time because I think it's you know there's there's multiple parts to all this DC stuff and it all kind of links back to James Gunn. But uh, yeah, um, when the announce, I, I thought we did talk about the announcement itself. Uh, but brief overview, I thought it was good because it's not just James; it's James and Peter Safran, and James seems to be more the creative side. Peter's going to be more of the uh, executive side, uh, but they're working closely together. Oh, that's right. As, we, we did have a conversation about this. Yeah. We went over the we went over the three different ways that it could go. You could either go hard reset, you could right. keep James's little corner of the universe going and reset everything else, or you could just keep going the way that they were going. Right, right. I thought we I thought we had. So I think since the last time we said that is when. I mean, I guess depending on how you look at it, uh, the proverbial stuff hit the fan and then it kept hitting the fan and then somebody else came through some more into the fan. It, it, it's that it's been that kind of thing. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I want to say before we talk about the specifics of it, having James Gunn be the head of it, um, not for any of the decisions he's made, but just the way he's addressed things. Um I think it's it's a breath of fresh air for DC because for years we sat here and talk about things and the way Warner Brothers and DC has handled it in the past was to have leaks run out to any uh any of the trades that they want to and tell whatever leak they want to say. And typically those leaks were warring leaks and it will be contradictory information or things that will make somebody one person look bad and make this other person look bad as they're all jockeying for position. It seems we still have a little bit of that, but then James Gunn comes out on Twitter and he's like, so, uh, so no to that, no to that. I don't know this. Yes to that. So it gives, he brings a sense of clarity to what's going on. Even if and even transparency. When, yes. And even if he can't tell us everything, he's like, you're going to pay, you're going to have to give us patience with some stuff, but this is what's really going on. Uh, and I think that is something that DC has sorely been missing. Now, with that said, I do think, like when he directly addressed one reporter, I can see how that would rub a lot of reporters the wrong way, even though I think he did it kind of respectfully. So that he's going to have to learn some push and pull with that. But I, I think I right love now... The dude. I, I love the dude. He's a great reporter. However, about this... He's very wrong. Yeah. And I and I think that speaks to 
the past of Warner Brothers where that he he does have a that reporter does have a connection, does have a source, but it's a source that maybe doesn't know as much as he th- they think they know. And there might be a reason they told him that to make to have influence or to make this other person look bad to gain influence. So I, I think with him publicly addressing things, hopefully it 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 cuts down on the leaks. And then once they start putting out their slate and if it's successful, then it will kind of it will probably eliminate a lot of their problems from their leak department. Because then it's like, OK, they've made this. They they are firmly in control. Um, we can't really if we leak, it's just if we're going to know where it's coming from. And it just kind of cuts that out. And then it has that one cohesive message, which for for DC where it is right now, that's what it needs. It needs one cohesive message. Uh, right now, it can have one cohesive messenger until it gets everything settled into place. So that is one thing that I am completely on board with so far with this. Now, um, the projects and everything, it's... I don't even know how I don't even know how we want to approach this because it's been so much stuff. Like it's literally every other day something has happened. Okay, so so let's start with where it kind of begins, which is Henry Cavill is no longer Superman, and the cape is being forever burned and not being put back in the taken out of the closet the way everybody thought that it would. Um, let's react to that information about a new Superman project written by James Gunn that is about Superman at a different time in his life, and so they're not doing Henry Cavill. Um, and what that, in the immediate meant, in the immediacy of the moment meant for Cavill, and in the immediacy of the moment means for everybody, uh, because James did address, you know, uh, the future of certain characters. Right. So there's so, there's so much here, and uh, I have so many opinions because it, you know, does involve Superman and whatnot. Um, but I think the way this whole Cavill saga went down from basically the Black Adam tease to, um, the announcement earlier, well, late last week, earlier this week, I can't even remember at this point. Uh, it kind of, to me, encapsulates old DC and new DC because old DC, um, Old DC being version 4.0 and this being version 5.0. Is it 4.0? I've lost track. It's I, I'll go for I'll take your word for it, but it, whatever version this is, I don't even think this. I don't think we can really count that as version 4.0. I think it's like 4.5 because Dwayne went around version four to the inner room, so I guess 0.5 to get Cavill into. Uh, Black Adam because version four did not want Henry Cavill to be Superman. That that has been reported. There's been some contradiction with uh, alleged plans that may have happened, but for this conversation, they spent years trying to get Cavill to be Superman. Um, the people in charge kept telling them no. When this opera, when there was a vacuum at the head and the the rock saw chance he went around the outgoing the lame duck um pers- person over DC which was Walter Amada and inserted Cavill into the movie which he didn't want but 
you know, Abdi and DeLuca, who were serving kind of as kind of interim presidents at the time, even though Hamada was there. They like they wanted Superman. They liked the idea of Cavill, so they let The Rock do it. And apparently he shot a, a cameo for The Flash as well. And they were the ones taking pitches for Man of Steel. Which and then they're the and subsequently they would have to be the ones that told Cavill, yeah, it's okay. Say you're coming back as Superman. Say we have these plans. We when we flesh out the plans, you can say more, but go ahead and say all this. And Cavill went on a mini press circuit and said all those things. And then the day later, a day later, like I can't remember if it was a day later or two days later, but literally within two days, the new heads of DC are installed. And once that happens, they want to implement their own plan, which means they have they want a younger Superman, which is implying the reboot of everything. But they first said it with that. And they, I mean, James Gunn said it like a month into it. But that's the transition to this new period because James didn't like kick beat around the bush or anything. He, he met with Henry Cavill. He talked with Henry Cavill. He told them the pl- told him the plans and told him that the plans don't include you. We love you. We might find some other things for you, but where we want to go, work we, with, I'd love to work with Ben Affleck as a director. We just gotta we, find the right project. Yeah, we 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 want to work with you, but. In our vision, we want a younger Superman, so unfortunately, that's not you. And then Cavill confirms it himself with a very heartfelt message about, you know, hanging up the cake for for real, and that's because it's a transition period, and this is what they want. And it sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. That, like, the first part of that is just a giant cluster of promises and uh, jockeying for position and all this other stuff. And the second part is we want to tell stories. This is the plan for telling stories. We're sucked. It sucks that we got to let you go, but that's just how it kind of is. And being upfront with everyone about it. And now, after literal years, the Henry saga, the Henry Cavill saga, Superman is over. And I, I just, I can't get over how how fast that transition was like just the, the years that we spent saying is Cavill Superman. Is he not Superman? The creators want him. Some don't all this other stuff years ago. They could have just come out and said, we're done with Henry Cavill as Superman just like this. And half of this goes away. Uh, half of your like Snyderverse stuff. All that like, cause they kept hanging on to things that were there because nobody would like, definitively say no this is done they could have done it this is how easy it could have been but and but then you to to have them let cavill go out and say these things knowing that they're the interim and they'd have to know that james gunn is coming in i know that this isn't just a we decided this one day and announced it the next no this is a thing that had to be worked out and you still just let Cavill go and do this. Especially when James Gunn said, I'm working on a Superman story. I'm working on a Superman script. Um, I mean, I think that it's, it is the encapsulation of the change in regimes. 
but it's also just a function of how do you how do you tear that Superman apart from that world, and you don't. And it, it's it's been everybody's worst nightmare has been trying to figure out a way to get around the Snyderverse stuff because you really couldn't if you wanted to hang around with all the others. And for years we thought that Flashpoint would be the reboot and they would go from there and that would be their workaround for everybody. But now doesn't even look like Flashpoint really even matters. Not doesn't look like uh, Shazam matters at all. You know, doesn't matter. It seemed like Aquaman 2 really means anything. So, I mean, it, it really seems like we're playing out the string here. The head coach has been fired. We're playing out the string and we're waiting for, for the offseason so we can figure out what the new guy is going to do. And, you know, that's a, an interesting place to be in as a film studio and as fans. It. But, you know, football coaches, you, you, if you're an interim, you know you're interim. You can only do so many things. You can, like, jockey for the job. These guys didn't, I mean, they knew they weren't going to be the ones to get the job. And then they knew that somebody else was going to get the job. And they still did this, which shows, like, a, a miscommunication between them and the head guy, I guess. Well, they, they, they were the interims and they made the decision. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the vice president being president for the hour and a half that the president is, uh, going through his colonoscopy and that, uh, the vice president as acting president changing a whole bunch of shit. And then, and then the new president and the, the original president wakes up after his colonoscopy and has to, un, you know, has to deal with the ramifications of all of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of wacky because no, no temporary, no vice president would be given that opportunity to mess everything up in an hour and a half. I I really would like to to understand what the well, there was that whole art, uh, Hollywood Reporter article on the death of Henry Cavill Superman. That was a thing that Hollywood Reporter put out. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're mouthpieces. I want I want to know what Zaslav told Deluca and Abdi. When did they know about James Gunn, and when did they make these decisions for Superman? It's a month, right? It's a month from the Black Adam cameo to Gunn taking over and them <clears> saying that they're working on a on a Superman story. It's two, three weeks, a month, something like that. Um, I want. Well, when when Gunn announces that they're working on Superman, yeah, it's probably about a month. Uh, it's the 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 um. The announcement of Gunn as the head with uh, Saffron came like within two days, and it took them about a month because uh, they didn't start until November first, and it was the end of November, um, beginning of December, where they kind of said he started. He mentioned Superman the first time and how important he was, and that kind of stuff. So I mean, it's just kind of a major. A major overhaul, and it's it's a weird thing, as you say, for interims to put the man out there and for the man to go out there and then have to retract all of those statements and hang the cape up for good. It has to kind of damage your working relationship with the studio. Um, and I know that everybody was talking about The Witcher and how how disappointing and sad it must be for Henry Cavill that he, 
he left the Witcher to go do this. Uh, my understanding of the Witcher situation is essentially that he was having creative dif differences with the showrunners and, and writers of the show about the character's direction and its faithfulness to the game. And so he kind of walked away from that for creative difference reasons, not so much, hey, I'm going to go off and be Superman now. It was, my understanding was it was more in line with, uh, uh, more in line with creative differences more so than I'm going to leave to go do Superman. That is my understanding of it, too. Uh, so now I he just goes to Amazon to do a to do a video game adaptation well, that may or may not ever get made. Well, uh, as far as the Witcher stuff goes, there there is one um, one stream of tweets that kind of went over it from other people's perspectives, and it does not paint Henry Cavill in a great light. I'm not going to say exactly what it says because I've only seen it from that one place. So uh, until I see it sourced anywhere else, I won't. But if this turns out to be true, um, he it's not it's there are some disturbing things, but I don't think they're like irreparable things. And I think there are things he can fix. He would just have to recognize it to fix it himself. Uh, but yeah, uh, like. When I saw when I saw those, I'm like, if this is true, yeah, it has nothing to do with Superman. It was creative differences from the on The Witcher, and I think also the the other Amazon on set stuff. Yeah, on set stuff. Well, on set stuff and like behind the scenes stuff. And I think um, that Amazon show with him, not only him starring, but he's the executive producing, and that's you know for competition in Netflix. I think that might have played into it a little bit too. Entirely possible. So, in my analogy that you kind of missed, um, how are we, like, I view, for years we thought the Flashpoint was going to be the reboot, and that that's how they would move on from everything Snyder, and we'd find out what was going to happen after that. But now that you're in this environment, how do you view Shazam 2, Flashpoint, and Aquaman 2? Because to me, they would basically be you fire the head coach after the Kentucky game, but there's still five more games left. And and we all get to sit here and watch whatever the interim coach is going to do for these last five games. And then we're going to actually find out who the new guy is and what direction we're going in. Um. So in that analogy, the interim coach has five games to to say, look, look at me. I can do this job. In in this, the interim coach, well, there is no interim coach. The new head coach is taken over, but he's decided he's not coaching those games. He's going to concentrate on getting himself ready for next season. So he, he's doing the smoke Laval thing and taking a whole year before he, before he takes yeah, over the yeah. program. So while he's officially over it, he's not going to have any direct oversight on the output for the rest of this year. He just let whatever offensive coordinator was still there, run the show until it's completely over. So, I mean, it. If you're if you're talking about like continuity and like a, the overarching universe, then this is these are lame duck movies in a in a dead man walking universe. Considering that we have something new, we know we're about to get something new. However, they are still movies. They are still stories. You can't get enjoyment out of them. So that's how 
I approach it. I want to see these movies and these stories and see what they do. Um, but yeah, as far as like the universe itself, it looks like you know they're, they'll come out and then that universe is going directly into the grave. Uh, particularly with the news that came came today. Poor Michael Keaton got his taste for superhero movies back by doing The Vulture and doing very well with it. Agrees to come back as a Superman as a as Batman, Batman because he knows he knows the fans want to see it and he wants to see how they'll react to his version. He comes back for multiple movies and gets immediately cut from all of them. Oh, he'll be in the Flash. Oh, he he'll, he'll be in it. the Flash, but it'll be a matter of that. That movie's got its own issues and hills to climb. For release with its, you know, star having all the issues. Yeah. But I mean, like, poor Michael Keaton, man. That that dude deserves better after waiting all these years. He should have just should have just done let uh, Birdman be his perfect metaphor for his well, time as a superhero. I mean, I don't have a problem with him doing the flash. I just think making him the Batman of a universe going forward, that is not a future universe where he can be Batman, the uh, Bruce Wayne to Batman Beyond. I think that is a mistake. And well, that was of, where they were going, most likely. But again, until all the exit interviews were are done, we won't know exactly what the offensive game plan was going forward and who was going to be the starting quarterback. Right, but they could have been. They could have been building to that. I think it's a mistake to have a Batman and a Superman. And well, we wouldn't have had a Superman. Um, and if we got one. A younger Superman with this Batman that's older, I think that is a mistake off top. But so, you know, more power to him that they thought that that could work. So let's talk about the Batman. Let's talk about Matt, uh, Matt Reeves, little corner of the universe there that looks like it's going to be able to survive. All right. So I sent you a tweet earlier. that was like, remind me to rant about the Batman. Uh, I will address it as it concerns the universe for first. Yes, it seems like Matt Reeves is he's got a Batman universe that he's made. He gets to keep that corner of the universe. Um, people reported that James Gunn wanted to absorb that Batman into the to his universe. James Gunn came out and shot it down. I was like, uh, no. And Matt Reeves went and commented on that. It was like the sources I would trust on this James Gunn, which signifies that yes. He gets to do whatever the hell he wants in his own corner of the universe. Bam, good, good, fine. That's all fine and good. Uh, but the Batman, I've, I've, it's been almost a whole year, and I've been trying to like really put my feelings together about the Batman and the movie itself. I like the movie. I think it's probably, uh, it's. It has potential to be my favorite version of Batman we've gotten so far. But. Like if I I mean, if I were given James Gunn's opportunity and I get to do whatever I want to the DC universe and I can make it however I want it. Except I can't touch Batman like, well, I, I. I can touch Batman. We don't know how he's going to do it. And he's because he said Batman is important to the universe going forward. But I, I don't see how they make other Batman movies while you have this Batman line running around. Even if they stamp it with an Elseworlds stamp, 
I don't think you get a, a proper Batman movie in James Gunn's universe until Matt Reeves is done. So if I were given this opportunity, I can do everything I want, but I can't touch that guy, the most recognizable guy, the most profitable guy, uh, the most popular guy in the whole lineup. Because execs before me decided it was a good idea to section him off. I'd be pissed. I'd be highly upset. No matter how, what people think of this version of Batman, I as a creative would be upset. As a consumer, because um, I like to think of it from the general audience perspective, he's Batman, so he's like this universe, even if if it's, it's good, which helps. But the general audience looking at this, aesthetically, is this still, is this too close to what we got with Nolan? Like all the other iterations, they've all changed enough that you know that this one is different from that one. But it, this one, he's oh, I mean, he's overly mopey, eternally in the dark, uh, like grounded to the nth degree. It's it feels like a redo or continuation of Nolan. And I know people in general audience, and I know this is anecdotal, but they're like, why do we keep needing these Batman? Especially especially if they keep looking like the one before. Why we keep doing that instead of do like changing it or if you're gonna keep the same kind of aesthetics, make it the same character. Why do we have to keep redoing stuff if we keep doing the same thing? So it's an annoyance and the people that like that movie are mildly annoying too, because they get, they got up in arms when they thought that Batman would be absorbed into the DC proper. And I'm like, all those people that like this Batman movie are also really huge into the Nolan Batman movie. And that's the type of Batman they want. And they, so they've already gotten that grounded, gritty, dark Batman that they wanted. Batman can change. Batman has changed. Let's do another one. Let somebody else have their Batman. You can't keep doing yours and driving this into this grime, gritty mud, and eventually people are going to stop caring. So it's just an annoyance all around. Like, I think the movie is good. I think the whole universe is going to be good creatively. But not being able to have a clean slate Batman in this universe from Jump with its own movie is is an annoyance. Having a Batman that's so stylistically similar to Christopher Nolan, to people that only pay attention to these things because it's in the pop in the public zeitgeist, might eventually come to bite it in the butt. And those people that just want to keep it this way and not change it and have the, and let people there are other versions that other people like that would appeal to the general audience. Let's do that. And if we're not going to make him the same character that he's going through all time, let's change it and make people understand that there's a difference instead of me like, well, we keep doing the same thing again and again. Uh, I think I'll stop my little mini rant right there. I don't think I got too hot for that one. So here's my thing. 
all the way back in July of 2014 or 2015 when they announced that uh when they announced that that uh Matt Reeves was going to do a Batman movie. We were on this podcast and we were talking about it at the time. You don't hire the guy who did the last two Apes movies, which are story-wise some of the best character work that has been done in the last 10 years. I would argue that Cameron took some story points and style design from the Apes movies and implanted it into his Avatar universe. Like, you don't hire that guy. It's like hiring the Envil. You don't hire that guy to make something that is not artistic and thoughtful and grounded and... you. How do, let me put, I'll put it this way. You don't hire Matt Reeves to do a Joel Schumacher film. You don't hire Matt Reeves to do a Michael Bay film. You don't hire him to do a James Gunn film, like The Suicide Squad. You don't hire him to make that kind of a movie. You hire him because you think that the kind of stories that this bat, that Batman is and should be telling are stories that are similar to the Nolan movies that made you a whole bunch of money and got you a whole bunch of awards acclaim. And are similar, not exactly, but similar in tone to the Joker movie that just got you a whole bunch of Oscars and a whole bunch of bucks. So if your understanding of the character is the campy stuff doesn't make us money, the dark and gritty stuff does make us money and gets us award acclaim, which two ends of the spec, which end of that spectrum do you think they're going to fall on? They're going to fall on this end, and that's why I think they hired Matt Reeves. That was the goal. That was the objective. Because remember, when Matt Reeves gets hired, BVS is already a thing. There's already a Batman. There's already the the Batflack. So there were already these two competing versions of Superman uh, of a uh, Batman, the same way that there were these two competing versions of Flash, or going to be these two comparing versions of Flash, the one on TV and the one on the film. So. Um, the thing is, like, they, they wanted this version of a Batman story. They hired him to do this version of the Batman story. They have hired him to write and executive produce and direct the pilot for a Penguin HBO Max series that got through the transition. It got filmed. It got made. Colin, uh, Colin, uh, Firth, not Firth, uh, uh, um, Colin Farrell, Farrell, Colin Farrell may very well win an Oscar in a few weeks, I mean, in a few months. And they've got that guy with a Penguin uh, miniseries on HBO Max already candid in the, in, done, produced, and finished. That will have that same tone, that same tenor, and that same aesthetic. And Reeves has already been given the green light to do a Batman 2, whatever form that may take. So, it's clear that that's the side of the scale they want to go on. To me, that does not preclude Gunn from being over here and going in his direction with a Batman. Now, do I think that the movies need to come out at the same time? No. But I think that audiences are smart enough and savvy enough that you could potentially do two different versions of the character with two different actors at, you know, within, within the same five-year period. Um, if you want to draw the hard and fast line and say, James, this is off limits, 
I, you know, then why do you have a Joker movie that's running around? Because by those rules, if you're, if you're saying that Matt, that Todd Phillips, and we'll get to him in a second, if you're saying that Todd Phillips' Joker is running around and he's doing all his shenanigans and, and, and riding in his cop cars by him, you know, on his own over here, and that Lady Gaga is her own Harley Quinn over here, but they're separate from this bat, you know, this Batman, uh, and this Alfred and this Commissioner Gordon and everything that is the Madison Square Garden sequence and everything that has to do with the Batman. And these two are separate from the third end of the triangle, which is, which is James Gunn's universe. So you can't, like, you, you can't say one is off limits. It, it, it's okay. So you're telling me that you're going to create a Batman universe where Pattinson's Batman can never talk to a Joker? Like, it would seem to me that that's always the end game for any Batman franchise to always get to the Joker, whether it's in the second film or the third film. And it would almost seem to me that the third piece of a Joker, a Joker trilogy is Batman. So, like, why are you going to take Bat- Joker off the table from Reeves' Batman universe when he has cast one. He cast uh, Kiergan. He put him in the movie. Test screened the movie with and without that. So you're giving him permission to do a, a Joker in his universe while this Joker runs around over here. So why won't you give James the ability to do his Batman while this Batman's over here doing his own thing? So I think that, that in the end, they'll do it. They'll give James the ability to do whatever he wants. But I also think James has a long-term 10-year plan that will probably outlast whatever trilogy, uh, whatever trilogy of films both Phillips and, uh, Reeves have in mind. Yeah. So if, when, if all of that makes sense. Yeah. So when I say he can't do, when I say James can't do Batman, I don't mean there won't be a Batman. I think very clearly there will be. I don't think we get a full on his version of Batman in his own solo movie until after Reese is done. I think Batman will show up uh, here and there. I don't I don't know how he plans to. Well, we don't even know what the lineup is. We won't even get our first indi- indications of that till January. Right. So I we don't, don't know if we don't know if he's building toward a Justice Society or a Justice League or if he's building toward a, a doom, doomsday or whatever. We don't know any of that stuff. Right. We won't know that stuff probably for a hot minute. So it's hard for us to judge where Batman would pop up in a hypothetical slate when we don't have a hypothetical slate in front of us. I think, well, okay, so I'm going to take a couple guesses um, just based on what he said. He said that you know Superman is important to the universe. Superman will be younger, but he will... Already be established, no, no origin or whatnot, and it sounds like he he knows people already. So, my guess is that there are other heroes that have been like all the heroes we know, or most of them will be around in some form or fashion. Maybe they've already started the Justice League, uh, and maybe James is on a fast track to get like get Superman on solid ground. And then we're going to get to a Justice League movie and then we break everybody off. Maybe that's something like that. And if that's the case, yeah, Batman showing up in the Justice League movie. Uh, and he'll and but and he'll show up here and there down the line. 
but I just I find it even even before like when uh when all this first started and we and we distinctly knew that Matt Reeves was going to do something different cuz when he first got hired the whole thing was he's going to make a Batman movie and it's it's in the universe that was already established then it slowly became no he's going to do his own thing over here um i i don't think the I mean, the marketplace well, might, but... Remember, at the time, he took over... He took over because Batflack couldn't get off the sauce long enough to get a story together. <laughs> I mean, yes. that, that's that's what it was. You know, for the first half of the Snyderverse, it was about... It, it was about um, Ben Affleck and our good friend and co-writer of The Rise of Skywalker. Chris um, Terrio. Yeah, Chris Terrio. Um you know, wanting to write a Batman movie together. And they couldn't crack the story after three years, and he went to rehab, and then they were like, okay, uh, I'm going to give up now. And so then they hired Reeves. Yep. And and that's because they wanted a solo Batman movie, and that's how we got Reeves. Right. And But when he got and when he got hired, one of the first things that happened was Ben Affleck sent out that tweet, welcoming him into the Batcave, because Ben Affleck was, at that time, they were saying... Affleck was still signed on to be Batman, and it was later that year they were like, nope, he's out. This is going to be something different. Um, So, all that said, I think you can have multiple Batman running around the different universes at the same time. I don't think you can have multiple solo Batman movies at the same time. So, until until Reese's trilogy is done, if he's trying to do a trilogy... Uh, when we see Batman, it'll be other places, not alone. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just saying that that kind of sucks because executives down the line made these incoherent um, decisions. It's great for Matt Reeves. I have no problem with what Matt Reeves wants to do uh, outside of it being stylistically to the naked eye, uh, very close to what Nolan did. But you know, it, I blame the people that were in charge and the people that are in charge aren't here anymore. It's just everybody else now has to deal with their mess. Well, yes, because ideally, if they don't make the mistakes that they did to get us here, James Gunn doesn't have to do a massive hard reboot. Right. So, I mean, you know, the reason they're former executives is because that the, the thing was bought from uh, became from AT&T time, from Time Warner to AT&T Time Warner to now uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. And so you've gone through two acquisitions in the period of 10 years and you've changed leadership teams multiple times. And so here we are. Um, right. so let's move on to our good friend and Scorsese wannabe Todd Phillips being begged by Warner Brothers executives to please take this thing over. Man, I- until you said his name, I forgot that was the thing. That's how much of this stuff we had to deal with. But them begging Ty Phillips to 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 take this job, which which tracks because when Zaslav first got in there, Phillips was the guy that he liked to go to for advice, and people speculated, does he want Phillips to take over? And apparently, he did. And apparent, and I will tell you that is that is effing stupid because. Listening to Todd Phillips talk about paint, paint me, paint me that alternate universe, Chad. 
Pay me that alternate timeline in which this man has creative control over all of the characters. I can't I can't even imagine it because like when they were on the promo tour for Joker, the way he was talking about the subject matter, he's he he's basically like, I made this movie because I wanted to make this story, and I knew I could slap a can of comic book paint on it and get it made, and it will make a whole lot of money. He he didn't. It's not like he had outright disdain for it, but you can clearly tell he thought less of the source material, and he thought. And if you watch his movie, he clearly thinks a lot of himself in his Scorsese imitation movie that a lot of people like. Uh, I, I mean, I think the movie's a well put together movie. I don't particularly like it. I think it's. Uh, I, I said it from the I believe opening the night. term of art that you used was a film is so much up its own ass. Yep, that was that's exactly what I'd say. It's very much up its own ass about what it, it is. It tap dances its way to glory, baby. Yeah, and, and and clearly thinks that it is elevating the material and the genre as a whole. So if you're putting that guy that doesn't think much of the material and thinks that you have to do these, you know, um, very dramatic things uh, to, one, distance yourself from the material and elevate it at the same time to this great work of art, and you're going to give him the keys to all these characters, I don't know what to expect. Because he, I mean, if he did that, he made this movie with the Joker, and he went all the way down into, like, deep, um, deep thoughts on, like, disabilities and, and society and all this stuff, and, like, if he went there with the Joker, I can't imagine how he handles a character like Superman. I just, I can't. It makes me think that he probably wouldn't handle Superman. He would probably try to take more of the obscure characters that he can do whatever he wants to, again, elevate the material. But when you elevate it the way he does, like, what characters do you want to see? What good characters do you want to see in that world? Because that world is not very it's not a place that people want to live it's just a place that people suffer because that's where all the dramatic tension is to somebody like him so i can't imagine what he would do i just know i would hate every second of it and as i say dc's my albatross it would become like a boulder drive dragging me down to the depths of the ocean because i there's probably no coming back from that it would have just been god awful uh so thankfully they lucked into james gunn because no matter what, at least I know he respects all these characters. I, he's probably not getting it all right. But if you take a swing with respect, I can at least respect that. I, I don't respect what Todd Phillips does. Well, Chad, congratulations. You just sold me on. You just sold me on a Todd Phillips Thanos movie. That that is the movie I now need to see. I need to see the Todd Phillips Thanos movie. Wait, you so you mean the one where he actually wins and wins for good and like not even not even the snap, not even how Thanos wins in Infinity War, but how he wanted to win in Endgame. Like, no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rewrite all of y'all and make this a miserable place. I mean, if there is a book that Marvel put out that is official MCU canon. That gives the entire backstory of Thanos from birth until the beginning of the events of, Infinity, of Guardians of the Galaxy. 
So, like, there is a book, and it details the crappy existence of Thanos through I, from puberty on up, and I'm sure he could do wonderfully dramatic things with it. But now you've just sold me on it, because, you know, that character lends itself to sorrow and despair. Man, it... I mean, I just, like... I don't know what characters would fit that tone, but I also don't know if he would carry that tone over to every character. I think the ground, the, the tone of the universe itself would be, would be retained, but I don't necessarily know the dark nihilism of the Joker would carry over. I don't even know if that dark nihilism's gonna carry over to a freaking musical, man. And let's not forget that, like, there was sag sanctions on that on that production like there were people that were like held without brakes and forced to pee and crap on the subway car that's right i forgot about on that. the original yep. on the original set so like it's not like that pro that pro that uh it's not like that method acting performance was generated just by happenstance like it, it was an intense thing so I, I just don't see how you would do the intense thing with say green lantern <sighs> that, I, like, none of those nothing it all sounds like if you were given anybody else I would be like I would either be crawling for a bottle to like drink all my sorrows away after seeing any one of those things a drill to dig out what I just saw out of my brain or you know, a double barrel to just put it all out my misery because that's the kind of movies I think he would make with that. Um, so I'm interested in what this says about the psychology of the story, the psychology of the leadership positions that have been those who have been in leadership at the studio for a number of years. Because as I went over at the end of, of the previous podcast uh, about the way of water, you know, we we gone from oh, this Nolan thing is really successful. Hey, Chris, will you do this for us? To, okay, hey, Zach, you made an okay Superman movie. You want to do Superman and Batman in the same movie. How would you like to do that? Yes, please. To all of the Snyderverse stuff. To, hey, Matt Reeves, you want to make a Batman movie since our boy can't get off the sauce long enough to make one? Yeah, sure. You know, it just, whatever is the flavor of the month, whatever is successful at the time, is the thing that they gravitate toward giving the keys to and it's like it's like the parent who has a bratty child and you get a babysitter who doesn't run shrieking from the house as soon as the parents get home it's like oh wait you want to come back for another uh for another night here here's all of the money take it please come back my so how i've i've, I've said it before I think previous leadership, um, they were ashamed that they had to deal with these these characters in this property. However, but they knew they needed them to make money to do the other things that they really liked. But they were fundamentally ashamed of having to do that. And they treated them as such. The only thing they can kind of wrap their head around was Batman done in a very certain way which Chris Nolan provided. Um, so 
they're like, that's why, okay, so let Chris Nolan provide this this take on Superman, which almost worked, except the guy they had behind the camera and, and put a little bit too much of himself in it. And that that's the crux of why everything from that point on doesn't work. No, the crux of everything that from that point on is Nolan saying, I'm not making a Justice League movie for you. I, I will write and I will produce a Superman movie for you. And I think this guy, Zach, could do a good job with it. But I'm not going to make you a Justice League movie. My Christian Bale movies are my Christian Bale movies. They're done. And I'm moving on to go do Interstellar. I mean, you're right. I If he said, yes, I think you have a whole nother world of problems. Because, again, I don't think he likes. I mean, I say he doesn't like. Um those characters but like when they were coming up with the the man of steel pitch he there's a reason his batman is alone because he fundamentally fundamentally doesn't believe that that character should exist with any other type of character he can't wrap his mind around any of those other types of character characters it took yeah i can't can't tell you what i can't tell you what nolan's version of wonder woman would look like no no it the superman thing only happened and I, I I insist that it was as good as it was because say what you will about David Goyer, I think he understood Superman and the story that he wrote, I think was a good Superman story. And it was good enough for Chris Nolan to wrap his mind around it enough to be like, okay, so let me help you co-write some of this stuff and we'll pitch it to Warners. What lost in the sauce was Zach, when um Nolan let them pick Zach. He he actually, I, I think he recommended Zach, or he was good with Zach coming on. But when Zach, I mean Zach did a lot of things good, a lot of things good. But the things that are wrong with Man of Steel are things that are inherently wrong because Zach. And what they what they should have done was after Man of Steel, been like, thank you for your service. You put us on the right foot. Now we're going to get somebody else to like get us over the hump. But again, they don't understand that. They saw Man of Steel. They knew it came. It was Nolan had a big hand in it. Zach is very great with the visuals and stuff. They saw that. They thought it was a hit and they rolled with it and they hitched their wagon to Zach. Because again, they fundamentally, fundamentally just are ashamed of these characters and it's been that way up until Zaslov. And that was Zaslov since we're since this whole thing started because of uh, talking about Todd Phillips. With Zaslov, I don't think he understands comic book characters, but he understands their importance. He understands money. <laughs> yes, he understands money, he understands their importance. So that's why I think him going to Todd Phillips first was the fact. Ty Phillips made a billion dollar movie off of a 60 under 100 million dollar budget that speaks to that kind of guy. But thank God Ty Phillips told him no so he can get to James Gunn and Peter Safran, who I think are the first people in charge properly that actually love and respect these characters. That's going to bring a different set of issues, but. I think if you start with love and understanding and respect, you we will get a lot farther than people talking you into something. 
So that and that is why I'm hopeful for the future. It's the first time we've had people in charge that aren't ashamed of these characters and they actually like and love these characters. And I agree. And I agree. So um if I feel bad for Henry if if there are people I feel bad for in this whole situation, one of them is Henry Cavill. The other one is Patty Jenkins. Um who had to defend herself uh, from slanderous attacks about her creative process, about stories she was pitching, because uh, it was a really weird snap of the neck to go from Gal tweeting out about her hopefulness for the next story, and then the next day being like, we're recasting Superman, and we're recasting all of this. And then Patty, immediately after being let go, Wonder Woman 3 being dead on arrival. And, of course, Rogue Squadron has not been a thing for a while. So, I feel bad for Patty. Because she's not in Star Wars right now. She may be able to get back in. We don't know. Um, And I'd argue a Rogue Squadron movie pretty much needs to look like an Andor series. Which, I don't know if you can do that now. And, two, she's no longer in DC and doesn't have any attachment to Wonder Woman. And we may very well lose Gal completely as Wonder Woman. So... At least I can't picture her doing it without Patty. So, like, if there's anybody else that I feel sorry for in this whole situation, as much as one can feel sorry for people with millions millions of dollars to their names, um, I, I feel sorry for, for Cavill, and I feel sorry for Patty. Um, I don't know if I feel sorry for Patty outside of the the way the, the article first portrayed her. Um as being the one that walked away and all of that, and then hearing her response, um, just because, I mean, the fandom can be highly toxic anyway, so when they hear something like that, they'll run with it, but then you throw in the fact that Patty is a woman, and that has different levels, and she's already faced different things than she shouldn't have to face strictly because she's a woman. So from that aspect, yeah, I, I... I agree. So I guess I do feel Wonder sorry Woman for a little bit. Wonder Woman 84 is not a bad movie. It, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's an okay movie. It's not a great movie. But neither is the original Wonder Woman. The original Wonder Woman is not a great movie. It has the one sequence that turns that, that entire movie right. turns on that moment, which she had to fight for as creative. But like, Wonder Woman 84 isn't a horrible movie. It's got some bad story ideas in it. Dead Man, you know, taking over somebody else's body and Wonder Woman boning said other person's body. And it's just very creepy and very messy in that way. But it it's, you know, it's got some decent things in there. But that do, that should not have meant that her movie, which was put out on Christmas Day during the middle of a pandemic, should have been cast asunder and her thrown out the window. I think that if you're going to give Momoa and crew another shot at it, and you're certainly going to run with this child-rearing crazy person over here, um, then you should probably go ahead and let Patty finish out her trilogy. Especially with as popular as Gal is. Because you can't deny whatever the box office or, or streaming numbers were for 84, that, that Gal Gadot is a very popular Wonder Woman. And they were going to bring back, uh, they were going to bring back the original late, uh, young woman to come back and play uh, this goddess. And so you're going to have both modern Wonder Women on the screen at the same time. 
so you'd have Linda Carter and Gal Gadot on the screen at the same time, which would have been really cool. So, like, I feel bad for Patty. I feel bad for her having to issue an entire statement defending her creative process. And I, I really wish that things could have been handled in a better way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with that part. Uh, but let's talk should've... about somebody who's not. Uh, let's talk about somebody who's not handling creative differences and putting out statements in a very good way. Um, your thoughts, sir, on Dwayne as he has a very vocal response to the ch- leadership changes at DC. <clears throat> so yeah, the. This will be the re like this is what we lucked into by not recording this part of the podcast yesterday. Uh man, look, when when The Rock was like basically saying that Superman was in Black Adam, uh after my excitement faded and I and I was reading what people said, a lot of people were saying this is a desperation move to get people in, in seats. They're looking at tracking and it's not doing what they want so this is a Hail Mary to get butts and seats and I thought about them saying that and I'm like that that makes sense I hope it's not true and then the movie came out it did what it did and it doesn't look good financially and you know it is what it is but when Deadline reported that you know the movie is going to take a bath because it didn't make uh, enough money and then The Rock came out like a few days later saying, no, we met with financials. It's going to make like a $50 million profit on a $200 million film to try to save face. It's like, dude, that's not a good look. None of this is a good look. So when, when, when he did that with the budget, with the, the financial of it, I'm like, you're fighting a losing battle. Like The fact that you even did this says that you've lost and you just don't know it yet. So he, he talking has about that defending, going. You're talking about defending the profitability. Right. Yeah. Like when deadline reported that it was going to take a bath and then he comes back and is like, Nope. Talk to financial people. We're making a measly $50 million on a $200 million movie. It's like, dude, you've lost the fact that you even thought to do this means you've lost, you've lost in period point blank. The smarter thing to do would have been like, take your L, keep moving. He could not take his L. And then, so the people came for him. They're like, this is real weak sauce, Dwayne. And they were right. So he he has to wear that. He And this is self, that's self-inflicted. He has to wear that. Um, and then, and then the Henry Cavill news drops. After a, a previous month of him pounding the table saying, I'm the one that put Henry Cavill in the movie. I'm the one that got y'all the Superman you wanted. I'm the one that's going to give you all these movies with Superman in it. I'm the one that's going to give you Superman versus Black Adam. And a month later, James Gunn is like, nah, dog, we getting a whole nother Superman. So all that's out the window. So if all that's out the window, of course the natural assumption was, so is everything The Rock was talking about out the window? I didn't think we were going to, I didn't think we were going to know for a while, but for him to come out today and and drop the Instagram story, just like Cavill, like I met with James Gunn, he kicked me in the balls and said we were done. And I just and and even though I'm the Rock, I got to take this, I got to take this, I got to take this L. There's no other thing I can do. I, there's nothing I can do about it. I tried to do a power grab, 
I put out a bad movie, so I whiffed, and I'm done. It sucks. But now he's got to wear this L, and because of everything leading up to this L, everything involving Black Adam the last three, four months, like, he is getting skewered. Like, he really, like, people have loved The Rock, but in the past four months, it apparently, there's been some built-up frustration against him, and now it's all reached the boiling point, and now everybody's like, dude, they're treating him like a joke, and he can do nothing because it's all his fault. This is all his doing. Right. I mean, he bet big, and he and and the movie didn't open to what he thought it was going to open to. It didn't do the numbers that he was hoping it would it would do. He had been on the project for a long time. Development on a Black Adam movie starring The Rock goes back all the way to 2014. Like, it, it, it's... The original thought was, would they do it in the first Shazam movie? And then it was, okay, we'll save it for the sequel. Um, I think it's, it, it's a noticeable L for him, and it's the first noticeable L in a long time because Hobbs and Shaw dominated the box office just as much as any Fast and the Furious movie does. Um, he hasn't taken an L like this since, probably since he, get, in the second act of his career, where he's been post the Disney movies. Um, and he's taken it publicly, and I think he's also, like, keenly aware that he has other business interests now. He, you know, the, the vodka that he does, the, the Young Rock TV show, um, the, um, uh, the, the XFL that's coming up, the third, third version of the XFL that we've gotten in 20 years. Um, and I think he's keenly aware to be seen, like he, he's very image conscious. He likes to be seen as a positive person, as an upbeat person, as somebody who is a winner. Uh, as, uh, an orange Cheeto once said that we're going to get so tired of winning that we're going to hate it. Um, that's Dwayne for the last, 10, 15 years. It's been nothing but successes and winning. A guy like that doesn't know how to lose and lose well. And so when you put him in this position and you put him in, back him into the corner with the deadline story and they're like, uh, yeah, bro, your t- studio's taking a bath on your stuff. And right now we got a guy in charge who doesn't like taking baths on anything. He takes showers. That's how much he opposes taking baths. Like, you know, you force him into a corner to come out and say, no, 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 my movie's going to make this much money. Well, as I said on the previous, on a previous podcast, it's like getting in a dick measuring contest when you don't have a whole lot that you're working with. You just don't want to do that <laughs> because like, there's no point. There's no way you can come off in a win out of that situation. You just can't. So I think that. Ironically enough, this goes back to something we were talking about on episode 301, where we were talking wrestling. What does Dwayne do when Dwayne needs an image rehab? Dwayne goes home. And I think Dwayne's going home. Specifically, I think Dwayne's going to San Antonio, Texas in four weeks to the Alamo Dome or the AT&T Center or wherever they're going to have that thing. And... I think we're going to get Rock and Roman at WrestleMania, and I think it's going to help rehabilitate his image going into the XFL time. 
you know, because this is what he needs. He needs a PR bath. He needs something to cleanse himself of all this Black Adamness. And I think he's going to do this. And I think it's also a personal bummer for him. I think he really, really, really had a deep affection for Black Adam in the lure. And I think that it kind of hurts him that, like, this is going to become his Howard the Duck. <clears throat> his Howard the Duck. It's not that bad. Uh, I, I mean, in fairness, Leah Thompson has been, like, I was in Back to the Future. Also in Howard the Duck? Question mark. <laughs> Yeah, no need to remind people of that. Uh, I think it's a blow to him. I think they put the Back to the Future part in the front when she goes to do Collins now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that one. Uh, I think uh, for The The Rock, um, it's a blow because, I mean, Black Adam is a a villain, at best an anti-hero. But The Rock really wants to make him like a a full-blown hero. And... Even though he did that, there were there were the Rock had opportunities to take different parts and actually be a hero. Like I know when everybody's talking about Black Adam, they always go back to well, the Rock signed on to be Black Adam in two thousand seven, which is true. But then, like five years later, the Rock had a the Rock came back and was like, "Yeah, I'm still doing stuff with DC, and we're, we're figuring things out." And at that point, the Rock had a choice; he could have been. Shazam, Black Adam, uh, Green Lantern, John Stewart, Green Lantern, and I think Lobo was in there at a point too. He had options. He could have picked somebody to be a hero. He chose to do Black Adam. He chose to do it this way um, because I think he saw the opportunity to take Black Adam, this character that's uh, a little bit it's more obscure than Shazam because Shazam is obscure as it is. He can build it in his image and build and from that image like make his own thing within the universe around himself and it'd be all his own his own little fiefdom within dc and he just made a bad movie and yeah it 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 happens but it's he he's 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 got a lot more misses than hits than, than people think uh, and and this is this is definitely the biggest one. I mean, yeah, we, no one's gonna remember earthquake. No one, no one's What's... gonna remember San Andreas. No one's gonna oh, yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no one's gonna remember San Andreas. No one's gonna remember Rampage. No one's gonna remember uh, what was the Towering Inferno remake that he made? Skyscraper. Uh-huh. Skyscraper, which I've heard um, is the best out of the bunch. Yeah. So and like Rampage actually made more money than Shazam, uh, Black Adam. So just want to throw that out. And, and Rampage is not a bad adaptation of that bare bones video game. Like that is a, a very bare, bare bones, bones video game. Yeah, yeah, it's a very bare bones arcade game. And what they actually did was, I thought, really fun and really interesting. Um, I'd rather more of those than the damn Jumanji movies where he takes his willy out and starts pissing oh, all go. over Rob Williams' grave. But I mean. Eh. Like, he he has not had a perfect track record, but none of those misses. When, when, when Skyscraper and San Andreas fail, Rock doesn't go on a PR tour trying to rehabilitate his image and defend the film. He lets it go. It goes quietly into the night on DVD, and no one remembers he was even in it or that it was even a thing. This was higher profile, 
It was him doing the PR and the marketing for it for years. It was seen as a referendum on him. He had in the Henry Cavill stuff and tying those two together. And it's, it's more personal. And so the loss is more personal. And so he feels the need to, to bite back on it. And, and I think that that's going to end up causing him to go back home and get a PR wash so that people forget about this. So I because think this Hobbs and Shaw thing is dead too, right? Like they're they're not yeah. making another one of those allegedly. So, um, you know, Chris Morgan, I think, is going to go back over and write nine and ten for the main trilogy, which are you know had to replace Justin Lin. <laughs> so they they uh, they fixed that. So oh, yeah, we'll we'll see. That. But I just I think the reason he's more vocal this time is because he was the face of it, and he feels more attachment to it because it was his his thing whereas yeah, he, he, san andreas and sky Sirape were not so much i mean he could he controlled every aspect well almost every aspect of those but this one from from start to finish is all there him. wasn't an eight-year development period on skyscraper and there aren't a ton of towering inferno fans <laughs> to begin with so it's not like there's a, a fan base that's going to get pissed off at you if you do it wrong and there's also not a built-in audience for those movies. Right. And that's the thing. He he did this in in a genre that is the most popular genre on the planet right now. And he's one of he's one of the biggest movie stars. And he hyped this to unbelievable levels. All those things combined makes it a bigger event. But that all that hype doesn't translate into success for this movie. And that's why it's such he's going to have to wear this failure for a long time. Yeah, because remember, we were talking about the narrative of Rock putting butts in seats and this kind of dissuaded people from the belief that Rock does put butts in seats, which is a, an interesting way to go in a in a world with a fading number of movie stars like true movie stars. Yeah, right. So the, the, the Rock puts butts in seats is kind of a fallacy because that was built upon and being franchise Viagra and Fast and the Furious. And over time, we've seen that, no, him combined with Fast and the Furious seemed to put butts in seats. But when you put him on his own, it doesn't, he doesn't work like that. He, like, if he gets by, he barely gets by. Normally, he doesn't get by at all. Well, and people forget that, like, Walking Tall and The Rundown weren't huge box office successes. They were moderate box office successes for the time that they were released, but they weren't mega hits at all. Right. And that's what but, pushed him to going and doing the children's films. Right. And I think when you talk about The Rock, you have to talk about his career in, in those two phases, like before Franchise Viagra and after Franchise Viagra. I think before mm-hmm. Franchise Viagra, you those have value, but I don't think they when people think about him as a box office draw... They don't think about those movies. They think about him starting at Fast Five or Six, whichever one it was. Fast Five and Six on. And without those movies and without Jumanji, he is average at best at box office. But though, but he's coasted off of the fa- the fresh franchise, the fresh franchise, and then Jumanji being this monster hit out of nowhere that has helped to keep this this myth going 
for as long as it has. But now this one, this one has like shattered all that. It'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to the to the Hercules jokes when Roman and uh, and Rock go at their feud. I forgot about Hercules, and yeah, that that was bad too. Indeed. So that'll about do it for this week's podcast. We have successfully allowed Chad Metz to vent his vent his frustrations to the ethos, and now he has unburdened himself. He has aired his grievances, and his festus <laughs> is over. So now yeah. he can begin the new year refreshed. Yeah, ho- hopefully I don't have to bring any of this into the new year since we're, we should be hearing stuff from James and James handles things a certain way. It, hopefully everything else is flushed uh, outside of these next four movies that got to come out. And I don't have to worry about this kind of stuff anymore. It's just all rainbows and lollipops from here on out. We will see. So if you want to keep up with this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. I'm at The Mitch Theory. And our producer is at Grantel Fletcher, and we are all at On The Brain Pod. Thank you very much. And remember, Stephanie McMahon to enter the Royal Women's Royal Rumble at number 30 and challenge Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Lies It'll be a propaganda. fun time. Lies and propaganda. Thank you very much, and have a pleasant evening. <laughs>